This is Alicia, and welcome to the College Life Podcast. I am super passionate about education, personal development, growth, and bringing out the best in every college student. This podcast will help motivate you, empower you, and bring you clarity and confidence in who you are, in your purpose, and help you take action toward a life you love. Don't wait until you graduate to live your best life. Let's start now. What's up and welcome to the College Life Podcast. It's Alicia here and today I have with me a current student, Peter, and I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. So let's just get started with an introduction from you. So tell us a little bit about you, kind of where you're at in your college journey. Hello, everyone. My name is Peter Yozell. I am a recent transfer student to University of Colorado Boulder. I grew up in Brazil, so that's where I'm transferring from. I went through about two and a half years of school in Brazil in between starting it, taking a gap year, and then online school throughout the pandemic. And then recently now, one and a half weekend to my my new school at Boulder. Awesome. Awesome. And so how did you get to Brazil? Like, what was that thought process like when you were applying for colleges? So first of all, I moved very young to Brazil. So I moved there when I was four. Mom is Brazilian. Dad is American. I went through high school in Brazil. So it was a lot easier for me to apply for schools in Brazil than in the U.S. It was definitely a big discussion in our house. You know, what should I do? I was lucky enough to have my grandfather um, invest some money when I was young that would help me pay for college. So, you know, part of that would be covered. So I did have that option to come to the U.S. But applying to a college in the U.S., having gone through high school in Brazil, um, demands more tests. So I'd have to go through what they call a TOEFL, which is a, mm-hmm. yeah, a test that, that try to evaluate your skills in English. Um, and I just didn't feel like it. The second reason that I did not come to the U.S. was that in Brazil, we have two types of schools, publics and private schools. Mm-hmm. The public schools are harder to get in. They're kind of considered like the Ivy League schools here in the U.S. But if you are able to get in, they are free. So you can get full degree without any charge. And I was able to get into one of those schools. So it was pretty much a choice that I didn't have to think much about it. I also was very adapted to the life in Brazil. Like I had a very close group of friends. Most of them were moving to the same city that I was moving for college. So it just seemed like an easier task going to school in Brazil. Was it pretty assumed that you would just always go to college? Is that, <clears throat> was that part of your kind of family culture? Um, and then how far away was it from your hometown? Like the mm-hmm. area from like where you were growing yeah. up at that point, like to go to college? Yeah. So I'm first generation college student. My mom and my dad both did not go to college. My mom started um, when she first moved to the U.S., but she didn't really have the goal to finish it. Mm-hmm. So she she moved to the U.S. with a student visa. So that was the main reason that she was enrolled in school here. But she wasn't really sure if she wanted to you know, finish the degree. My dad is a musician, um, left home at a young age to live in a cabin in the woods and follow that musician's dream. So I really did not have any pressure at home okay. from my parents to go to college. Yeah. My dad's side of the family, um, aunts and uncles, are all college educated. That might have been a, an influence, but I've always put 
that goal onto myself mm. to go to college. I've always had that that view for myself. Yeah. And, oh, and then answering, answering your second question, school was about a two-hour drive from where I lived in Brazil, okay. which for me was, was pretty good. Um, there's a very big difference in the culture of the relationship between kids and their parents when you compare Brazil to the U.S. Mm-hmm. In Brazil, we are a lot closer. Um, mm-hmm. It is... Uh, is it is a Catholic country. Most of the country is Catholic. And I've noticed that other Catholic countries like Mexico, other South American countries that have that same culture are a lot closer to their family than the U.S. is. The U.S. is still in the majority Catholic. Um, you know, it's the most prominent religion here. But it's not a big factor in terms of, of you seeing that relationship between parents and kids. Mm-hmm. So what I've noticed, that, uh, and you can correct me here, in the U.S., people normally try to move as far away as possible <laughs> from where their parents live. And in Brazil, you try to find the best school that is close. Mm. And luckily for me, it was a two hour drive. Yeah. I love that. That's the super helpful context. And I think first off, I'm first in my family to go to college too. And so is Carlos, my husband. Um, and I just, it's interesting because mine was opposite. So my parents didn't go to college, but they kind of like you should go to college. You should go to college. Like we didn't get the opportunity. So it's, so it's so interesting. Um, cause I, I didn't question it. I kind of mm-hmm. was like, okay, yeah, that probably does make sense, but it wasn't super like, I am excited about going to college. I guess it, it, I was kind of just like, it's the next step for me. So that's just an interesting kind of change. Um, and then, yeah, culturally, uh, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, my, uh, my, uh, college was three hours away from um, where I went. But it was super scary. I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to do this? And But I really liked that because it was kind of far enough away that I could have my own life mm-hmm. and really experience the full you know, college thing on my own. Yeah. But it also was close enough to where I could come home if I wanted to or needed to. It's just a quick drive um, or a decent drive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting that some people kind of want to get away. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's it, it's the fact that in their hometown they never really adapted, never really fit in there, and they want to reinvent themselves in a new city. Mm-hmm. And then some other people just want to be close to home. I kind of had a mix of that. Uh, where I went to school was a far enough drive where I did feel independent and I didn't have to take care of all my stuff. But I was very lucky that out of so I had a really close group of friends from playing tennis in school, and out of like eight of those friends, five moved to the same city that I did. Yeah. And in Brazil, you didn't, we don't have dorms. Okay. So when you go to college there, you have to rent your own apartment. And I was renting an apartment with two of child, two of my close childhood friends. So that was also a great experience. Yeah. And it forced the, us to adapt uh, to, to living on our own. We still had the comfort of, of having people that we knew. So that was an easier transition. So that, that was probably the main reason. Like I went to a place that was a good school, but I also had friends to support me through the process of leaving home and learning how to live on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about that transition when you first got to college. Mm-hmm. What was it like, that experience? Like, do you remember any stories or any experiences that really stood out to you? Oh, yeah. Like I, I've always tried to put myself in uncomfortable situations, like even throughout high school, like I've I've never had issues with that. Yeah. Um, bit of a class clown. I was maybe 
you know, a little bit of attention seeker. I'd like to like to be in the spotlight. And that a lot of times put me in situations where most people would find uncomfortable. Right. Like I never had issues with public speaking, never had issues with being in front of people and, and just, you know, doing what I wanted to do. So I was kind of prepared to go into an uncomfortable situation, which was, you know, moving out of home, mm-hmm. but you only have certain expectations. When you get there, there's a, you know, a billion new things that are going to pop it up. It all goes out the window. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. it all goes out the window. So one thing people have to understand is that Brazil is a less developed country than the U.S. So certain day-to-day life things are different than in the U.S. So for example, first the driving age and the drinking age are 18. I turned 18 the week that I moved to college. So I was legally able to drink as soon as I moved into college. The second thing is that cars are really expensive in Brazil. So it's very rare for someone who is 18, just got their license to have their own car. Like parents do not have, I mean, 90% of the, the parents in Brazil don't have the financial means to buy their kids a car as soon as they turn 18. So riding the bus was, you know, a huge part of my first year of college. I did not live really close to school for the reason that my two roommates weren't going to college at that moment. So I'm going to explain this. In the U.S., you, you know, apply for schools and they look at your high school grades mm-hmm. and you might do an SAT or, you know, look at both. If you don't get in, you go to a community college, try to bump up your grade and then transfer to another university. In Brazil, they do not look at your high school grades at all. It's not a factor. It is just the score on that last test. No pressure. No pressure at all. <laughs> and that test will go over everything you've seen throughout your entire high school. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Again, and, no pressure. Yeah, yeah. And to make it even a little bit harder, which I was actually discussing this earlier with my mom, I don't think it's a bad thing. In Brazil, you don't get just choose what you study in high school. Okay. You have to see everything. So like oh, I had in high school, in high school, I love that. Yeah. I had chemistry, physics, and biology in all years of high school. Okay. Like I didn't, it wasn't like choose a science. Yeah. So like it, we went up to what the U S calls AP level, uh, curriculum for all the sciences by the time you finish high school. But all of that is, um, material for you to get tested on for that final test. So if you're not good at standardizing tests or standardized tests, Brazil is not a great place for you to get into college. It's hard. Yeah. My friends decided to party a lot on their last year of high school. I, I had certain goals um, in terms of where I wanted to go for school and what I wanted to study that demanded that I study a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I actually moved high schools in my last year of high school to a school that is uh, that was specific for prepping students for that test. Most of my friends didn't. So what they did is once they graduated high school, they moved to the same city that I was at because it was a bigger city. And they went to a prep school there for them to retake that test later that year. So my roommates were my friends from high school, but the apartment they rented was right next to their prep school. I was going to college. I didn't know anyone else in that city um, enough to want to live with them. Yeah. So I decided to live a little bit further away from campus, but with my friends, yeah. which meant that I had to take a couple buses to get to college every day. And 
twice a week or three times a week. I had a class that started at 7.50. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the bus that left the, the terminal near my house left like every 35 minutes. There was a bus at 7.30 and a bus at 7. So I had to take the bus at 7 or else I'd get late. Yeah, yeah. And it was about a 10-minute walk from my house to the, the terminal. So I'd have to wake up pretty early yeah. to get to class. And I've missed that bus a couple times <laughs> and get to class, you know, like 10 or 15 minutes late. Yeah. Which meant I wouldn't get um, presence for the class. Is okay. that what you call it? Yeah, yeah like attendance. Attendance, correct. Um, so certain teachers would do two attendances per class. One in the beginning, one at the end. If you came in late, you'd um, lose the first one. And you needed 70% attendance to graduate that class. So me being a you know new student, I did fail one class out of my who knows how many because of attendance. Oh, interesting. Because of that. Yeah. And it, oh, 100% my fault. And I'll, I'll get to that why. Um, but in Brazil, more challenges than here. So the buses are not school buses. They are city buses. So you're sharing that bus with, you know, all the blue collar workers that wake up in the morning and are going to work. It's crammed. It's sweaty. It's, it's hard to get into the bus. There's not enough seats. Most people are standing up. Um, so that was like challenge number one. Number two, old apartment. I've been a little bit more organized than my friends for a little bit. So I, I would, you know, not leave dishes out, um, try to keep the, the apartment clean. My friends would leave dishes out a little bit more which started to attract cockroaches. So also I'd get home at night from a long day. I'd go into the kitchen and there's a plate right there with cockroaches walking over it. Um, so and it wasn't yours, right? It was not so you're mine, like yeah. frustrated. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you, you go through these certain challenges, which I think they're all very valid. Like you, you need to go through through hard, um, hard things in life to develop character. Mm-hmm. And once you've gone through something that is really hard, the other kind of hard things become a lot easier to, to get through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are probably the well, a couple of, of the challenges that I had. You know, I've, I've gotten the wrong bus and gone to like a two-hour ride around the city for, you know, more than a couple times <laughs> because they have the same name. They're just on different sides of the platform, you know, new to, new, uh, new to the city, new to the whatever it is, uh, routine. Those are challenges. And then... Probably the hardest, and what I think not just Brazilian or American or other country students will, will agree with me, is trying to juggle everything. Mm-hmm. I moved into a new city, um, not having drank for maybe like two months. So I'll add a caveat to that, a tangent. Brazil drink age is 18, but it's very common for you to start drinking around the age of 15. Okay. Um, you know, at home, in your hometown. Like at 16, I could sit in a bar in Brazil and not get carded. Because even though it is the law, especially in a small city, they're not going to enforce yeah. it much. You know, it's not that big of a deal for them. So I had already had drinking experiences before going to college. So I knew how to drink. But I had gone through like a two-month period. Like, ah, I don't want to drink. You know, I'm going to college. I like training. I, like, I want to focus. That lasted two days. <laughs> Third day, I was like, ah, I'm back to drinking. Everyone else is doing it. Um, so I wanted a party. I wanted to study. And I had, you know, many other things that, that came around, wanted to train, wanted to be healthy, meal prep, you know, all these things took a lot out of my day. So learning how to juggle everything is, you know, a huge challenge. And 
we can get a little bit more in-depth to how that went for me throughout the year because it was a very long year and a lot of stuff happened. Um, but yeah, you know, those are probably the, the main, main challenges going into a new city. Yeah. Okay. You said a couple things that yeah. I want to like zoom in on. Um, the first thing was around your, your time. Um, oh, the time that you fail a class mm-hmm. and you said that was all me. That was my yeah. fault. <laughs> right. Cause it's attendance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there are some people who would actually go the opposite way where um, I've worked with students before who they they blame the faculty or a professor for, you know, failing them or whatever. So just talk to me a little bit about like, th- that's almost um, to me, I don't know if you've heard of extreme ownership with, um, he's a Navy SEAL, I think, but uh, Jocko. Jocko Willick. Yeah. Yeah. Willick. Yeah. And, um, you know, he talks about like, you really have to kind of own especially your decisions and your, and and the impact of those decisions on yourself and other people. So tell me a little bit about kind of like, what does that mean to you? And like, how did you come to like, yeah, I messed up, I guess, versus, you know, blaming somebody else. Yeah. So I, I agree 100% with that. With what what Jocko Willie says with about extreme ownership. Every single thing we do has a consequence. It might be good. It might be bad, but every single choice we make, has one or multiple consequences that we will have to deal with. What is in our control to start is that first choice. Sometimes we make that choice without even thinking. So our second option, or not second option, but our second ability to control things is how we're going to react to that. Mm-hmm. So in this case, for failing the class, I'm not going to lie that when it happened, I kind of blame the professor because I had other professors that would only take attendance at the end of class or at the middle of the class. Okay. And in those cases, you know, if you got like five minutes late, you would not lose attendance. With a little bit more lenience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I agree, shit happens. You know, some people will get late to class because something went wrong. But it wasn't my case. The reason it wasn't my case is because in that, that city that I went to college... We had a really famous college bar, not just famous there, but famous around the country by how they manage things and how they, they created this really fun college environment. And during that time, it was probably like their second or third year open. They were only open throughout the week on Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Very odd days for bars to yes. be open. <laughs> the reason that was the case is because pretty much every Friday and Saturday, there was like a big college party or a concert happening in town. So they capitalize on the days where it wasn't that active. Yeah. And college students will go out any single day of the week, especially if you're new. Um, So they capitalize on that. And Thursday was like the funnest day, which is when they, they, they booked the best gigs and it stayed open until later. And it's when most people wanted to go. Mm -hmm. So it's close enough to the weekend where people were like, all right, I'm starting to get into the vibe of wanting to go out. And I would go to that bar every Thursday night. And this class was on Friday at 7.50 in the morning. Yeah. So. I know that yeah, life. I've gotten late to it, you know, more than a couple of times. So it was 100% my fault. Nowadays, I take ownership for it, but I also don't regret it. Because yeah. that first year of college was an amazing experience for me in terms of, just meeting so many new people 
discovering who I truly am, um, going through challenges that help me see my priorities and what really matters for me, my, my goals in life, where I want to be and what that takes. So I did fail a class. The class was called Introduction to Physical Education. Yeah. Oh my gosh, which we're going to get over why that's yeah. hilarious later, but mm-hmm. yes. So yeah, it, it, I failed that class because I just was getting late to it. And it's fine because you win some, you lose some, um, you learn a lot. And throughout all of that and everything else that happened through that year, learning to take ownership from my actions mm-hmm. was a big part of it because as you know, the listeners will, will, will see later on once I get deeper into how that year went like I fucked up a lot of times and that was the only way for me to learn I only learned through those experiences yeah I always encourage like people especially people that I mentor like you have to either learn from your own mistakes or you can learn from other people's Mm -hmm. right if you can watch it and you're like oh wow I see that I don't want to do that or be that or whatever it is Um, but sometimes you know, you think you learn, you know, you have to, you have to do it yourself sometimes. Right. And, but I think what, what I also took away from your story is that you can fail a class. And I think in the moment it feels like so important. Like I'm sure that semester you were like, I fail a class. I don't know. You know, like you kind of just like pissed off, you're frustrated. Like there's so many kind of emotions, but now looking back, it's like such a small part of your story and your life. Um, and actually it, it made you part of who you are too. Right. Um, so I think sometimes it's hard, especially, I know for me when I was in college, it's just really hard to see the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so you talked about, um, kind of learning that lesson, um, for yourself, like any other lessons or things that stood out to you, especially your first year. Cause I think that's like a really hard yeah. year for, for folks. Um, but yeah, anything else that you feel like you learned about yourself? Oh yeah. Uh, many things, but I I think nowadays, um, something that I'm able to reflect quite well with the fact that I am restarting college, you know, at a new school at a later age at, at a much higher level of maturity is that when I first started school, I did not know how to study at all. Mm. So maybe luckily or not throughout high school, I always had a really easy time. Like I caught on to things really quick. I did not have to study at home to get good grades. I've always been really good at standardizing, standardized tests. Mm. So it was a piece of cake for me. Yeah. When I got into college, um, there was a lot more, more deeper concepts, more, or let's say harder concepts to learn that demanded that I'd study, that I'd sit my ass on a chair, open the book and just, you know, go at it. But I didn't know how to do that. Right. It was interesting to contrast that with some friends who didn't get into college right out of high school and went to that prep school phase and were kind of forced to learn how to study and were more prepared going into school than I was. You're like, wait, yeah. what? I, I, I was supposed to be the one that did it right. <laughs> I went straight from high school to college and they didn't and they had a much easier time in that first semester because they knew how to study. Right. I also wanted to be a CrossFit coach. So let's go into the reason why I started college in Brazil in the yes. first place. Yeah. So listeners, if you don't know, Alicia is one of my athletes at the gym that I work at. And that's how I met her and her husband. 
And that's how we got into the conversation of getting me into the podcast. So being a CrossFit coach in the last five years has been a pretty big part of my life. Pretty much until now, where it's kind of put, I've put it in the backseat to focus on graduating. But just a quick, so yeah. five years, so you started what year? Uh, I got my level one certification in 2017. I was born in 2000, so it's easy for you guys to follow. At 2017, <laughs> I was 17 years old. And let's, let's start with that. So last year, high school. At the beginning of the year, I was split between going into mechanical engineering or business. My uncle, he inherited, uh, not just inherited, but continued to grow my grandfather's life insurance company in Boston. So for a while there, I had the goal of going into that field and working with them. So that's where the business side of things came through. Mm -hmm. I've always been really good at math. And for a while there, I was really into cars. So like mechanical engineering seemed also like a good option for myself. Knowing that those two options were harder to get in than what I ended up choosing, I changed schools in my last year of high school, as we talked about, to a prep school to prepare me for the test. And business isn't super hard to get into Brazil, but the school that I wanted to get into was the best business school in the country, so it demanded me to study a lot. So for the first uh, six months of my senior year of high school, I had classes from... 1 to 6.30 in the afternoon. I'd wake up, study for about three to four hours, go to school, go to CrossFit for an hour, come home, and then review for another hour or two every day for about six months. I got really good at it, but I was kind of going crazy yeah. <laughs> by the end of those six months. Uh, a little bit too much, not enough socializing. I've always been very social, very extrovert, and that kind of limited those exposures for me. A month before... What we or our winter break in Brazil, I went out with some friends and just got hammered, really drunk, uh, threw up, didn't feel great. Next day, I woke up a changed man. <laughs> okay. I woke up like, wait a second, like I like sports, I like training, and I want to be healthy. And oh, these last six months have been not very healthy. Like I, I've been trying to eat well, I have, I did that, I was training once a day, but mentally I was extremely drained and burned out because I was focusing so much of my energy into this one goal and it wasn't bringing me what in my mind was one of my priorities, which was health. And then I hadn't had any drinks for, you know, six months, went out, way overdid it and I felt like crap for a week. So, you know, you go through these phases where you're like, why did I do that? Um, and you start to reflect. So I noticed that the last six months just simply weren't in coherence with the lifestyle that I wanted to live. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like cold turkey. I just 100% like from one day to the next switched. I want to go to physical education school. Okay, so before we go into yeah, that, yeah. I want you to go into that feeling of like your that that awareness of you're like okay, I'm not I'm not doing what I think I want to do or mm-hmm. what I or like how I want to live, yeah. right? Like, do you have any like other moments or just like the feeling? Just kind of describe that for listeners because I think sometimes, especially when we're 
when we're beating ourselves up or we made a bad decision or we're even like almost finished with our degree and we're like, Oh God, I don't think this is for me. Like, Mm -hmm. so can you describe that feeling a little bit that you felt? So I've always been a pretty high achiever. Like I've had that high achieving personality Mm -hmm. and I've always wanted to be great. Mm, Yes. Speak to it. Yeah. That's our listeners too. I've always wanted to be great. (laughs) I still do. I still want to achieve, you know, great things in my life and make an impact in the world Mm -hmm. for a while that impact was very selfish so I wanted to be great for myself I felt like I had something to prove um, probably because growing up like class clown played tennis but was never really good at it it was more because of the group of friends that I had but I was always I can call myself smart. Like I always had an easy time in school. So something like just didn't feel right with me being good at something and not being good at other things. It's like I had this feeling that I wanted to be good at everything. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go after it. And in our, you know, traditional societal views of what is success, certain careers kind of fit into that spot. Yes. Being a doctor, being an engineer, being a successful businessman. A hundred percent. And in my mind, for me to keep that idea of being successful and being great, I needed to be one of those things because for some reason, which, you know, I've probably reflected a lot, um, I wanted to be great for other people not just for myself. Like I, it was selfish. Yeah, I wanted to be good, but I still felt like I had something to prove. So these career paths that I was choosing were careers paths that showed me to other people as someone who succeeded. Yes. So those are pretty much like the main drivers of me going through those paths. Mm-hmm. But once you, you acknowledge that success is very individual in terms of what you define as success and you learn what you love what you actually like you start to notice that you can be successful in your own line of work whatever it is whatever it is you choose yeah and if you have that drive and that motivation you are going to be successful and and you're gonna make you know be financially right like there's Mm -hmm. all these amazing things yeah luckily for us people that have that drive 99% of people don't have that drive. So independently of what career you choose, if you go at it with the passion and the energy and the drive to be great, and you actually put in the time and the work, you will succeed. Like There there is just no way that you won't. Like I'm I'm sorry to some people that might be like, well, I've tried everything and it didn't work out. Maybe that wasn't your passion. Maybe you tried everything... But the person next to you tried everything but also loved that. And that's where they have the edge. Yeah, but also, like, I think interest, I mean, you can't try everything. Yeah. Right? Like, there's there's new jobs literally be create, being created every single day, which is so wild to me even. Um, and you can create your own thing too, right? If it's not, not your fit. like So I feel like that's kind of bullshit too, right? With, like, interest. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't try everything, but you may not have found what you want or like what does excite you 
what does align with your strengths in that kind of thing too. Cause it's, it's both. It's like, you yeah. have to have the drive to like want to find that mm-hmm. first True. and then kind of actually pursue it and that work ethic yeah. behind it. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, I think that we will never get to try everything. Yeah. I might've been an excellent kite surfer. <laughs> if I was born in the family where my parents were kite surfers and I started doing it at a young age. And I'll never find, yeah, I'll never find that out. It's so random, yeah. Which is not an issue at all. Right. Because we have to work with what we have. So just by having that drive, like, if you do everything that you do at least well done, at at least putting the effort into it. Yes, yes. You will get recognition. And it it doesn't matter. Like, I, I talk to my mom about this all the time, where... It doesn't matter if you're a server, if you're a trashman, if you're a surgeon, if you're a CrossFit coach, a professor, whatever it is that you're doing, do it well. All that, freaking yeah, in. Like, that, let's that, go. That's the only thing you can control. <laughs> yeah. Like, you might not have gotten the job that you wanted, but you got a job and you have the ability to do it well. So do it well because, like, you got like, to listen to this. You have no idea who's watching. You have no idea who's watching when you are working. Yep. People that have achieved high things in life, they are amazing at seeing people that have that same potential. Yes. Oh, that is so good. So, look, like, yes. please, like, if you are, like, just a server or, like, a front desk at an office, do it well. you be because, the best front yes. desk person and people will notice. 100%. The right people will notice. Yes, because the person that comes in there for a meeting with whoever you're working for might be the person that owns the job that you want to get you. You might not even know that. He might not know that you want it, but you did it well. In two years' time, you're applying for a job. You walk in the door. That's the person that is interviewing you. It's yeah. it's that simple. And I, I have a way of looking at life where things that are gonna ha- that are supposed to happen are going to happen. You want it or not. So be prepared for it. Like yeah. just just be prepared. So that if that one thing, that one opportunity comes, you have the ability to just grab it and, and go with it, which was what happened with me um, at Sanitas, for example. Okay, yeah. So I, I came to, this was 20, 2021. I got in the U.S. Um, I'm in the airport and I know that I'm going to be here for at least a couple months. So I go on this website called Barbell Jobs, which is where CrossFit coaches, CrossFit gyms post jobs. And like at the airport, this is Fort Lauderdale. I was waiting for my flight to Denver. I see the job posted. I send my resume there, like right at that moment. How was I able to send my resume at that moment? Because my resume was ready. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to go like, oh, let me build it right now. No, I had it saved in my phone as a file. I just immediately sent it. Love it. So first of all, that was the first preparation. Just be ready. Yeah, just be ready. Yeah. So I come in and I'm waiting for a call. So I get an email saying that they have received my my application and that they're reviewing. So I know that it's gotten there. I get here and like first day, I you know just take care of my stuff, try to recover. The next day, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to wait because there might be like 10 other people that applied. So I'm going to go to the gym and drop into the gym and just, just check it out. Yeah, yeah just check it but out. That's also good for you too to see like, is this something I want to work at? Yeah. And you can do that in mm-hmm. some industries and not others, but like, True. it's a great, yeah, that's such a great. Just, even discussion. if you can't just drive by, just right. go there and walk around the offices, right. talk to the front desk. Um, 
see the environment. Just do anything. You might bump into the guy that's going to interview you when you're getting coffee in the coffee shop next to you. And you might not even know it. Three days later, you're in the office like, oh, yeah, you've already talked. So just just do it. And that particular thing, there's um, some research done around this about, um, I, I can't remember what the concept is called, but it's it's about kind of like a warm introduction or a warm connection where if you know somebody who knows somebody, mm-hmm. this is why LinkedIn is really powerful right now, but it's also why somebody saw you already, right? Yeah. So now they have like facial recognition. Mm-hmm. And that already, even um, though they have no clue who you are, they don't know your work ethic, your expertise or anything, it's, it's exposure. It's, it's, um, so there's like a psychological concept behind that. Um, So just showing up to things and spaces, actually, it puts like these things in your bucket that help you get things later on. You become familiar. It's not just a random new person. 100%. You stand out. If like you're in an interview and 10 people are there, you're the only one that they recognize, you're already going to be on top of everyone else. So I, I'm on my way to the gym. I'm driving. I live in Longmont. Gym is in Boulder. It's like a 20-minute drive. About five minutes before I get to the gym, I get a phone call from Sanitas. And they're like, hi, this is Giancarlo. Uh, he's our head coach there. Um, is this Peter? I decided to apply. Do um, you have time for a phone call or set up uh, a meeting later this week? And my answer is, I'm actually going to be in the gym in five minutes. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, why were you coming over? I just wanted to drop in, you know, say hi since I already applied, get to know the people. And he's like, all right. So I get into the gym. Next class is at 3.30. I get there like 3.15. So I talk to, to Giancarlo for about five minutes. And he's like, actually pretty happy that you came in you know it's, it's good to put a face to the name you have a good resume um, you know talked a little bit how much like five minutes is a limited amount of time right. but he's like I'm gonna coach a class in 10 minutes do you want to take that class and I'm like yeah let's do it so I take the class one hour class you know I try as much as I can to interact with everyone I go up to every single people every single person that's taking the class I introduce myself I talk to them I ask where they're from I show that I am interested in being around those people. Mm-hmm. And it catches uh, Giancarlo's eye. Mm-hmm. By the time that class is done, we talk for about 10 more minutes. He's like, I have two more classes to coach, but the last class of the day, um, if you'd like to coach it, you can. I immediately said, yes, please let me do it. Yeah. So I went to the gym with the expectation of just going to meeting people. I goes, given the opportunity to coach a class, I was obviously going to say yes. The reason I said yes is because I was prepared. Mm-hmm. I knew what to do. I'd done that many times before. So you got to be ready for when that opportunity comes up. In this situation, that was it. If I felt kind of insecure, I could have said, ah, you know what, let's do it in like three days. Let me prepare a little bit better. In those three days, someone else could have come in, coached that class, and gotten the job. So I had to put the most amount of distance between me and any other candidate. So I coached that class. By the end of that class, I was hired. Why did that happen? Because I chose to drive to the gym so that I was the first because I knew that there were more candidates and they could have come in and taken my spot and I didn't want that to happen. So you need to be ready and you also need to be proactive to go after what you really want. And it wasn't that hard for you. No. Like seriously, you go to the gym already. Yeah. So you're like, okay, I'm going to go drop in in a class. Right? Like, it's not that, I think that that's what 
what is the differentiator is that some people think that, oh, like I need to be like way more prepared, mm-hmm. right? Or way, you may not have even been ready to like yeah. talk to Giancarlo, but like you did and you, right? Like you were as prepared as you can be. Um, and so like, I guess I just wanted listeners to kind of think through like, well, what if I'm not ready? What if I don't have my resume? You get it together right then, yeah. right? And you could do the best you can and you submit it, right? You figure it out. You figure it out. And and it, again, it doesn't have to be this uh, perfectionist thing where you have to have all your ducks in a row. I need to pre- prepare mm-hmm. for three days for this interview, right? It's like, let me just show up. And again, it just, it takes a little bit of effort, yeah. but it's not, it's not this like extraordinary thing that you have to like mastermind. You know, it's just like, I'm going to show up and do a little bit more Mm -hmm. than what other people are probably going to do. And that is the differentiator. It's like that two or 3%, but it goes like 80%. (laughs) It's so wild. Yeah. I mean, in in a world where nowadays, like almost everyone has at least a college degree, a lot of people have a master's and have, you know, these 10 other courses, that's not going to be the differentiator about who gets hired. You know, that gets you in the door. Once you get in the door, there's 10 other, you know, candidates that have the same resume as you. It's that 3% difference Mm -hmm. that actually gets the person hired. Mm -hmm. So, you know, anything that you can control, control it. Get a haircut, you know, dress well. Take your ego out of the case. Mm -hmm. Like I have tattoos. You guys can't see it, but I have a full sleeve in my arm. And I 100% know that if I was going for an office job, I would come in with a long sleeve shirt. Because it doesn't matter what I think and what it should be. Oh, I think the world should accept how I look. Yeah, that's my my decision, but that's not the reality. I know that in an office space, a clean look is a lot more valued than tattoos. So I'm going to try to fit in because I want to get that job. You know, maybe two months in, I come in with a short sleeve shirt and they find that I have tattoos. By that time, I will have proven myself to the point where my looks don't matter. It's my work. Yeah. So... I don't know who's listening, but unfortunately for most of us, the world isn't how we want it to be. It's been set throughout, you know, centuries of old habits and they're still present. You know, certain workspaces are sexist. And if you're a female and you're trying to get a job in that workspace and you are really adamant that you want that job, you're going to have to present yourself in a different way than maybe you are to get that job. Um, Tattoos, piercings, colored hair, all these things, you know, they're a personal choice. And we are in a world that is evolving. Most people are starting to accept that, but it doesn't mean that everyone accepts that. So if you want to get certain jobs and certain positions, you will have to abstain from showing 100% of who you are to get that job. If you do everything right, which is what I tried to do at Sanitas, um, once I got, I got hired, is that by the time they find out maybe your political views, um, your personal choices, the way you actually look, the way you actually act, the one thing they can't do is say that you've done a bad job. Mm-hmm. So simply put yourself in a place where your work speaks more than any other personal view that your boss or your coworkers have so that you're in a position where you don't need to be judged by those things or be controlled by those things. Yeah, I, this word comes to mind right now. And for me, it's like, I always push myself to be undeniable. You cannot deny that I'm going to work the hardest. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to show up, right? And like to where you can't 
basically <laughs> fire me because of my workout. There's that's not mm-hmm. going to happen. You can fire me for other reasons, but it's not going to be that. Yes. Right. And I know that in my heart. Um, and just anyway, whenever I was on a team, like that was the word that we had for the year. We were mm-hmm. like, we're going to be undeniable. So nobody can say we're not the best, you know, that's, yeah. that's what we're working towards. Um, yeah. And I feel like these are just life skills, right. That are so yeah. helpful for life for post-college, but it's mm-hmm. actually helpful to practice them and to do them while you're in college, because that builds your character. It builds your confidence. It builds, um, yeah, I don't know. It just builds your skills mm-hmm. to where you're, you're not only ready for what's at, what's next, but you're actually ready now. Right. Yeah. And you're, you're like, yeah, prepared, mm-hmm. better prepared. And here, here's the biggest reason why nowadays I have the confidence that I have. I talk the way I talk. I've achieved a lot of the goals that I already have set up for myself is because I put myself in a position to fail. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking to my brother about this yesterday. So he's in his senior year of high school and he was trying to either um, participate in the varsity football team. He was part of the team last year and he loved it or not play football this season for two reasons. One, most of the good defense players are out and he's a running back to the risk of a concussion um, or an injury is much higher. Two, he wants to follow in a similar path that I have in relation to CrossFit and coaching. Mm-hmm. So either he goes to football and he has that experience, which is a great experience, this com- camaraderie, um, it develops character, or he could abstain from that, focus on his training with like CrossFit and weightlifting and studying towards getting his certification to become a coach. Um, he also has an opportunity right now to intern at a gym near our house a couple days a week, and that would also take some time off of being able to play football. He was afraid of not doing football, going into this path of coaching, and failing. So he was afraid of choosing to coach, to go through this internship. And maybe in like, you know, a month of the internship, you're like, ah, we don't love what you're doing. And he would have missed the opportunity of a certainty, which is playing football. He's, if he, uh, he signs up for that, he's certain that he's going to have a full season of football in comparison to something that could fail. And I explained to him that I might be good at what I do today, but when I started, I was not at all. I was really bad at coaching. I was nervous talking in front of, of people, especially a CrossFit class. I talked over words all the time. I spoke at a very low volume. Um, I repeated myself. I used too many words to say, to give a cue. All things that are signs of a inexperienced coach. But nowadays I'm not in that space anymore. And I had to put myself in a position of failure. I had to fail. That's the only way you're going to learn. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I gave him a talk and he decided to go through with the coaching part of things. And I think it's going to be great. But what I'm trying to get you is that in any venture of life, be that in studying um, to you know get a, a different career or a better career, be that in sports, um, in relationships, you need to put yourself in a position of failure because that's most likely the only way you're going to learn. Mm-hmm. So people that are new students and they want to get better at maybe public speaking because that's something that that's a, that's a skill that they want to have throughout their life. You need to talk in front of people. And fail at it and do it badly. Hopefully, you're going to have a mentor or someone that knows what they're doing and they're going to come up to you or you're going to seek their help 
and they're going to tell you everything you did wrong. And then the next time you do it, you're going to do it a little bit less wrong. You're still going to suck at it, but you're going to suck maybe like 5% less. Mm -hmm. And over repetition and hours and reps, that's how you're going to learn and that's how you're going to get good at something. So you can't be afraid of failing. You have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations, in situations where you're doing something that you're not good at because it's through failure, it's through making mistakes that you're going to learn to not make those mistakes once again. So if you're new to school, try as much, try, try as many things as you can. In those things, you might find something that you're really good at and you want to pursue that. And you're going to find out that there's people that are 10 times better than you. So you're not really that good. You just liked it. So now you know all these things you can improve. You might go through things that you suck at and that you enjoy nothing about them. And that thing might have been your major. And that's how you learned about it. So you need to put yourself in these positions where you're going to try things and you're going to fail. Because that's the only way you're going to learn if, one, that's what you like. And two, if you actually have the drive to succumb that failure and improve. Yeah, and so many people are going to have... I think societal expectations mm-hmm. and, and, um, or just like, why would you do that? Why would you make this decision? And I think, you know, our relationship with failure is, it's just, we're so afraid of what could or what might be from the negative side that we don't look at the, what the possibility side is. And, um, you know, I guess for me and through college, this is like the one lesson that I wish I would have done is, is exactly yeah. what you're talking about. I wish I would have put myself out there more and gotten uncomfortable, but I was so like anxious and like socially awkward. I felt, you know, and I still am, but I'm okay with it. And mm-hmm. I'm okay with who I am now to where I think it presents less, hopefully less social awkwardness. But, but I feel like, yeah, through college, I didn't go for things that I wanted to out of fear. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I've had to learn later in my life, unfortunately, but I'm so grateful that I have now that that's also why I do this podcast. It's because like failure also is typically not a yes or a no. It's like so much blurrier, right? Like is my college, is my podcast successful? Yes and no. (laughs) It is, but it's also not where I want it to be. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's not a failure. It's also not a full success. Um, And again, it's how you measure success for you personally and, and for what you're working towards. So Um, I just feel like, yeah, I wish I would have gone for things. And now I'm doing that in my professional life and holy shit, I'm seeing it pay off in so many more ways, but I'm also more confident in myself because I'm like, even if it doesn't work out, I'm going for what I actually want. And I would rather fail at that than wonder if I could have done or could have been. I think that's like one of my biggest fears in life Mm -hmm. is like getting to the other side. If there is another side after, after life and like saying you left shit on the table. Yeah. You did not fulfill your potential. Like that is like my biggest fear mm-hmm. is that I don't do that. And I just keep pushing myself and trying to get outside of my comfort zone and, um, and taking those risks that are even safer risks, but like, like I'm doing them wisely. Yeah. Right. I'm not just like, you know, doing something wild, but taking those, those risks mm-hmm. and being thoughtful about them and going for it. Yeah. That's what this like podcast is all about, really. Um, yeah. And I'm going to use my brother's example once again, because I'd imagine that most of the listeners are, you know, either senior years of high school trying to decide what they're going to do for college or you know, new students. My brother chose to study for his CrossFit uh, coaching certification and to intern at this gym. He's going to be starting next week. And even if he does fail, he 
put himself in a situation where he studied for that test. If he wants to become a coach, he might have failed now, but he's going to study again. He's going to try again. His base for that test is right now, or is going to be after this period, a lot better than when he first started mm -hmm. because he tried. Um, I think this, is, this saying is a little cliche, but you know, you can take, take what you want from it, that you either win or you learn. You don't lose, mm. which I think is wrong because you do lose sometimes <laughs> and that's okay. Um, especially it, if you're competing. <laughs> yes, 100%, especially if you're competing. And a lot of the times, like we talked about, um, taking, what's the word you, you use from Jocko? Extreme ownership. Yeah, taking ownership for your mistakes is a big part of it. So you're still learning, I guess. Yeah, you lost. Um, right. Some people don't learn from their losses, so that's where you, I think you could yeah. change that saying. Love it. But if you have the right mindset, then you either win or you learn. So in that case, you're only going to learn if you try. If you don't try, then you won't have the experiences of going through that. So you need to, mm -hmm. to give it a try. And then in college... You were talking about, you know, these, these certain pressures that we have on ourselves. I think a little bit of, this help, of, of that is healthy. We need to have a little bit of pressure on ourselves or else we're not going to accomplish anything. It, it's very easy to, to let, let yourself go in college and just follow what everyone else is doing. And, you know, just, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to party every single day because that's what my friends are doing. You're in a dorm. It's so simple for you to be like, oh, I can study now or I can walk out the door, go next to the next dorm and have like, you know, six, 10 people there and just enjoy our time, just chat and, and, you know, do whatever it is. Or you could sit down on the chair and actually study what you have to. Those are two valid options, to be honest. Like one will give you more social experience. The other one will help you do better in school. And later on, it might actually allow you to get the job that you want or actually graduate in the time that you want. But taking extreme ownership means that whatever choice you chose, you are going to deal with those consequences. And you're the only one that can decide if that was the right or wrong choice. Mm -hmm. So if you're itching to go see the friends, go do it. Try it out. If by next week you're late on all your assignments and you don't feel good about it, then change it. That was That's how you learned. You might have decided to stay in the room and studied and done all your stuff. Your friends had a great time last night and you missed it. Next time, give it a try. That's the only way you're going to learn. You have to put yourself in those situations of, of experimenting to see what are your priorities and what are your true goals. Some people go to college just for the college experience. Some people go to college for a degree. If you have the financial means to just go to college for the college experience, I mean, it's your life. Go at it. You know, you got to give it a try. We, we are very lucky to live in a country where we have a lot of individual liberties. Like you have the ability to choose pretty much almost all of how your life is going to go through. Obviously, you know, certain people come from different backgrounds. They don't have the same financial means. Some people might have to work through college. They're going to have a lot less time for that. But if that person really wants to graduate college, they can do it. Um, certain countries, you don't have that ability. Mm -hmm. So first of all, tangent, I think we should be very grateful to live in the U.S., coming from someone who's come from a different country and knows all of the all of the good things we have here. Like, yeah, you know, we do have horrible school shootings and, and massacres um, a few times a year, which is horrendous. But for 90% of the time that you're walking out, you're not afraid for your safety. 
you're not afraid for, you know, your material things that you worked hard for. You're not going to get stolen. You actually get to live a calmer life. Most of the time, for most people, they know that if the paycheck comes in, they'll have enough money to buy for food. In a lot of countries, you might get that paycheck, but it's still not enough to buy food. So you have to not have a car, not pay for gas. So we live in a country that allows us to make a lot of individual decisions. So use that, you know, go try things out, especially if you're in college, you're young, you have you know, the rest of your life ahead of you, but be aware of the consequences. Because I think that's what we're talking about. Every choice that you make has a consequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Well, um, we're coming close to time, mm-hmm. so but we really focused on kind of your first couple years yeah. and not really like what's next for you yeah. because what are you technically as a junior, right? Is that right? So I've, I've answered this question many, many times in the last week. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of a mix. So okay. in Brazil, I did one year college. Then I took a gap year, which people, if you feel like you need one, 100% recommend it. Take it. It's it was okay. It was amazing for me like I'm literally amazing um, it was a year that I just worked um, I moved countries that's the year that I came back to the US for a year and just worked because I thought that the working part of things was what I enjoyed doing the most out of the, the exercise field um, and I did that and I tried it out and I found out that it wasn't the case that I also do love to study I just had too much in my plate so if you want to take a gap year if you feel like you need one before college and college do it great opportunity to to actually learn what you like, what you want. 2020, I decided to go back to Brazil for college. I was in Brazil for three months. I had two weeks of classes and the pandemic started. So everything locked up. Different than the US, Brazil was not prepared at all to go online. So I had no classes for that year. So the year 2020, no college. So I had two gap years. One was on purpose, one was not on purpose. Nowadays, I am very grateful for that second gap year as well, because um, I probably grew uh, during the pandemic more than I have ever throughout my life. And the reason that happened is because that drive that I had going into college of being a high achiever, it was still present during the pandemic. So I I worked a lot. I improved my coaching skills. I, I did things that were in my control. School was halted. I couldn't do anything about that. So I decided to put my energy towards something else. Um, and then that following year, online school. So I did a remote class for full of 2021 and the beginning of 2022. So in theory, I did about two and a half years of school mm-hmm. in between one year in person and year and a half remote. When I transferred over to the U.S., about a year and a half worth of credits were transferred over. Um, it's about a year that didn't. And the second thing is I was talking about uh, school in Brazil. You don't get to choose your classes in high school. So I did chemistry, physics, and biology, all years of high school. My degree in Brazil um, was sports science slash physical education. So my first semester of classes in Brazil, I was taking anatomy, biochemistry, uh, molecular biology, because those gen eds, or what we call gen eds here in the U.S., were already given to me throughout high school. Those high school credits did not transfer to CU. So right now, um, on paper, in CU, I have enough credits for a second semester sophomore. Okay. 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 I've done, in, in terms of classes, I'm a junior. Like, I've done two and a half years of school. Right, right. But all the classes that I'm taking are with freshmen. So I'm a little all over the place. And for the people listening, 
I'm 22. It's fine. Like I'll probably graduate um, at a much later age than most people that I know. And I have zero issues with that. Like right now, me starting this new semester, in two weeks of school, I've done better at it than I did in two and a half years of school. Because before that, I just wasn't prepared. I didn't know how to study. I didn't know what my goals were. I didn't know the importance of what I was studying. Now I do. It's completely different. Like Now I, I go to college with not the sole purpose, but 90% of my purpose is to graduate well, is to do it as well as I can. Mm-hmm. And now I actually have the tools to do it, which is amazing. Um, like I said earlier, I am a high-achieving person. I, I have high aspirations. So my goal is to apply for the Master's Accelerator Program in my major, which is Integrative Physiology at CU. For you to do that, you need to have taken all the gen eds, so general chemistry one and two with both labs, and general physics one. And they only accept five students a year out of a gigantic department. You got it. So on one hand, I might have felt like doing these gen eds was a step back because I've done it already. On the second hand, since I've done it already, it will allow me to get excellent grades throughout this next year, bump my GPA really high, and have a chance to actually get accepted for this master's program. And you have so many other experiences that you can talk about that you can put in your resume and your cover letter for that master's program because you took some time off and you have, that will show up in your application a hundred percent. So I just, yeah, I feel like that's amazing. And I love that you said that it's okay to take time off because it really, really is. And I think the traditional four year, I put, I'm putting it in quotes right now is total bullshit. It is the reason why that concept is even part of the thing. The language is because you colleges and universities are judged based on how many percentages graduate percentage of students who graduate Mm -hmm. in four to six years. Yeah. So if you don't do that, you're not getting in that, in that market or in that, like in that, uh, statistic. And that reflects poorly on the institutions. It has nothing to do with you and your success Mm -hmm. at all. So finish when you can. Yeah do the best that you can every time that you have the opportunity to go to college and then yeah, graduate when you can. Oh, 100%. And and what Alicia said in in relation to, you know, I took some time off, I was working and all these things are going to show in my application. Not just that I coached at a gym that is, you know, a five minute walk from the university. And throughout this year, I've coached many athletes or clients or students, whatever you want to call them that work at the university and I've had, you know, at least 10 different people come up to me and be like, if you need a recommendation, if you need a good word, just ask me. And the reason why they are so open to do that is because every day that I went into that gym, I went in there with the goal of doing what I was doing really, really well. Yeah. It's, it's a full Full circle. circle. Yeah. It's a full circle. So once again, whatever you're doing, doing it, do it well because you don't know who's watching. You don't know who's around you. So it's, it's, it's that simple. Like, yeah. uh, well, let me just summary, like, you know, what you can take away from this conversation. First of all, anything you're going to do, do well done. Like put as much effort in, as you can. Even if it's not something that you like, even if it's not your end goal, even if it's just, just a trans transition job for you to get through college, for you to later get the job that you want, like that transition job, do it well. Second, if you need to take some time off, please do. Sometimes 
you're in the middle of the storm, so you don't see out of it. And you might be in a path where in five years, you're not going to be really happy with it. So you need to take a step out and reflect, um, have some time for your own, for yourself, be introspective and really try to see what are your priorities and what are your goals. Maybe when you come back, it, it is that in my case, it was like, I'm still in the same field that I was in, but now I have a completely different drive like mentality. I, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like my mindset in terms of what I'm studying and what I'm learning is completely different. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is every action you, you do has a consequence. And it's up to you to decide if that path is the right one. But you're only going to find out if you try it out. If you don't try it out, you're never going to learn. It's always going to be that what if. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, so what time is it? 10.30? Okay, I, I'll, I'll, a little 10-minute tangent here just to close this out. Because I, I think this is really important for especially young people to listen to. Um, and since you have an audience, I'm going to, um, use this to, to try to share this. Nowadays, from any political spectrum that you're at, you're going to be listening that a certain way of life is the right way of life, is the correct way to live. The problem with just saying that is that these two political sides are not explaining to the youth the consequences of their choices. Everything that we do has a consequence, and that's completely fine. That's just the way it is. So for an example, let's use the topic of women trying to achieve a high status job in the workplace. Nothing wrong with that. It is your choice. On the other side, we have women that want to get married and want to have a family. Also nothing wrong with that. It is your choice. We should be telling the youth about those two options. And all the other ones in between. Exactly. And all the other ones in between. And even more extreme to each side. But we should be also telling the youth about the consequences of each of those choices. So, for example, if you decide to be a stay-at-home mom, you might have grown up with certain aspirations towards achieving a certain position in your workspace or being an athlete and achieving certain uh, accolades and podiums and medals. When you decide maybe to get married at a younger age and have a family, you are putting those things to the side. Maybe when you're in your 50s, you might feel like you left those things behind and you will regret it. It is a possibility. There is also a possibility that you love the lifestyle that you chose and that you're super happy to have a family. Those two paths should be told to the youth. On the other side, if you decide to um, get a high status job, maybe in the corporate world, which is you know, historically harder for women than it is for men. Maybe when you're 50, you get to that position and you feel a little empty because you did not follow through with having a family. Or you feel super happy, super accomplished. This is exactly what I wanted. Those two options are not options, but those two results are also valid. None of of these paths that I said are wrong or right. Yes. But... They need to be said. You as a young person starting your life, going to college and deciding what path you're going to take, you should know all of these possible results and, and, and endpoints because only through knowing you can set realistic expectations. It is so much sadder when someone gets to that endpoint and they are completely miserable because either the left or the right told them 
that that was the right path. That is the path that is going to bring you happiness. So if you're young, my recommendation in relation to this is seek people that have achieved what you think you want Mm. and ask them about it. Ask them, are you happy? Why are you happy? Why aren't you happy? What are the things you had to sacrifice to get where you're at? What was the cost of getting to, you know, the position that you're in? And this goes for anything, like literally anything. That was just one example that I chose. You can use the same uh, analogy towards partying a lot in college or locking yourself in a room and just studying or finding a middle ground. You need to seek the true path that is going to happen if you make these decisions and that aligns best with who you are 100 percent yeah yeah and i think i think getting back to kind of the beginning mm-hmm. we, you know when we talked about that that feeling when you felt like this isn't right there's something not right here right like you were saying you know you cared about your health and not all these things but then you were drinking a bunch right and and or not taking care of your balance mm-hmm. balancing yeah. right there's always these trade-offs and you just have to take stock of that. And when you start feeling that kind of rising up, I feel it in my chest typically, yeah. like, um, and not in an anxious way mm-hmm. in like a, something doesn't feel right. And it feels mm-hmm. heavy. I have to pay attention to that and explore that more yeah. or else you do find yourself in five, 10, 30 years down the road, unhappy, miserable, and pissed off. <laughs> like, And then you make everybody else around you yeah. <laughs> feel that way too. <laughs> and it, it becomes a snowball and, you know, um, frustrated parents don't treat their kids well, and that generates frustrated kids that bully their friends, and it creates a toxic environment. And maybe a lot of the issues that we're having nowadays are not the culprit of their own issues. Mm-hmm. It is more of a mental health issue that people are simply not happy or content because they had different expectations to how their life went, and now they are just simply sour people. Let's use that word. You know, so please seek people that have done what you want to do and talk to them. See if that's really what you want to do. Because once again, independently of what path you choose, you all have to make sacrifices. You're just going to have to decide what those sacrifices are. Yeah. And I think that's really what this podcast is all about is helping you make your own decisions that are best for you, but from a place where you have, you can hear stories and um, advice in order to do that and do that more confidently, right. And be exposed yeah. to more options, opportunities, um, and in ways of living your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Peter. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. I appreciate and, you having me. Yeah. We'll have to have you on in a year and kind of learn more sure. about like what the next year is kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah. looked like for you. So awesome. Well, thank you so much. And yeah. Um, just like a closing statement. You can choose to believe everything I told you. You can also just simply say I'm bullshitting you guys. My tip for that person is go try it all out. I was very resistant to anyone telling me what to do. And the only way I learned was through doing those things myself and failing miserably. So if you <laughs> if you don't want to listen to me, go do it. I did it. And it was hard. It made my life a lot harder than it had to be. But, you know, it made me who I am. It's a great place to leave it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to the College Life Podcast. If you want to follow Peter or connect with him, if there's something that stood out from today's interview that you'd like to follow up with, you can follow him on Instagram at P-E-T-Y-O-N. 
Z-E-L-L. And I will also link that in today's show notes. If you love this episode and if you love the College Life Podcast, go rate us at iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss the next episode. Sending you all love for a new semester. And thank you all so much for listening to the College Life Podcast. I'll catch you in the next episode. 